This message by Pastor Sunday Balogun was recorded live at Rainbow Charismatic Center. Be blessed as you listen. You know, one of our problems as people is that we preempt God, and when we do so, we miss Him. All right? So we should just be open minded and say, Father, whichever way you want to move in this meeting, just have your way. That's the best way to approach God, and then not tell Him how you have Him move. You know, a man was sick and he needed cure. Now, a prominent politician, and he could not be helped by his, the doctors. He could not be helped by every expert in his country until the maid in his house said there is a prophet in Israel. And if you get a word to that prophet, I know that he has a pedigree. He will heal you. And when he got to Samaria, he expected that the man of God, the prophet Elijah, would just come out of his house and wave his hands so that the leprosy on his skin would disappear. But the man of God did not even care to see him at all. The man of God was in his room, probably eating or doing some other things. And he said to him, tell that man to go and dip in the river seven times and he'll be cured. And he was offended. He said, what? I expected that knowing that I'm a prominent figure, this man should come out, maybe wave his hand or do something. And guess what? The man of God didn't give further directive. If you want to be cured, you will do as the Spirit of God says. If you don't want to be cured, you will go back. And until he did as Elisha instructed, he was not cured. I pray to God tonight you will not miss your encounter in the name of Jesus. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter number 2. I'm just going to flow as the Spirit of God has instructed me in this year's convention. Mark chapter number 2. Let's read from the first verse. Mark chapter number 2 from the first verse. Again, he entered Campanium after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together, and so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he did what? What did he do? What did he do? That's what I am attempting to do tonight. As the place was jam-packed, Jesus began to preach the word. Because every time the word of God is preached, the power of God is made available. Please don't miss it tonight. The power of God is inherent in his word. The deliverance you need is in the word. And so when you are attentive to the word, when you receive this internal word of God, it will produce your desired expectation. And so Jesus began to preach the word. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so that they had broken through. Then they left down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Praise God. You see, in life, we need friends. We need good friends. We need great friends. 
Now, this man was helpless. He was a paralytic. He couldn't help himself anymore. Even when there was a place he could go to to get help, the man could not move to that spot. But thank God for these friends who were his friends in good times and also decided to stick with him in bad times. Your true friends are those who will stick with you in good and in bad times. And so now their friend could no longer move his hands and they knew that this is not how the life of their friend should end. Let us look for a place or someone who can help our friend. And somehow they got a bed and decided to carry their friend. He didn't object. Because somehow he had come to trust this his friends. If they are carrying me, then they must be taking me to a place where I can get relief from this pain. And his friends took him to the right place to meet the right person. Now, there are friends who will make your situation worse by taking you to wrong places. Hallelujah. And some of you who are seated here, in the past, your life has been made worse. The issues of your life have been made worse through friends who introduce you to some things, to some persons, to some places, and then they made your life worse than it was before. But thank God for these good friends. I pray that God will give you good friends. You know, in life, it is better for you to be alone than to be in the wrong company. The Bible says that the companion of fools will be destroyed. So these good friends, they took him to the right person. If you have friends who give you money when you are broke or when you are celebrating, they are good friends. If you have friends who rescue you when you are down, stranded, they are good friends. If you have people you can call upon every time you want to celebrate or you have a project and you need their input and they respond, they are good friends. But we need to move beyond having good friends to having great friends. Great friends are those who will do everything within their power. Who will be relentless until they get you to meet Jesus. Because the greatest good you can do to anyone you truly care about or that you claim you care about is to lead them to Jesus. If you came into this meeting or you are listening to me tonight through any means and it is because a friend recommended you get connected or you come around, you owe that friend thank you because that's a great friend. If I give you money, you will exhaust it. If I give you clothes, it will wear out. If I give you anything material, over time you get bored with it. The greatest gift anyone can lead you to get, the greatest person anyone can lead you to is Jesus. So if you want to be a great friend, be relentless until your friends get to meet Jesus. So that your friendship with that person will not end in this life. But you'll be friends forever. 
Don't you love that? That friend that you claim you love, if you can be friends for all eternity. Let's be great friends. Let's have great friends. Hallelujah. And so, now as the place was packed full, his friends didn't get a place where they could enter the house because they needed to get the attention of Jesus. And these great friends of his decided to do something that is out of this world, something that is unthinkable, but they were determined to do everything possible and so that their friends could encounter Jesus. Somehow, the source for ladder, let's take the roof down. What were these guys thinking? The only thing in their mind was just the freedom of their friend. They wanted their friend to have encounter with Jesus. They have come to know maybe one or two of these friends have had an encounter with Jesus. They have tasted the power of Jesus. Or maybe they have known, they have come in contact with some persons that Jesus has turned his or her life around. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Bible said she has heard good things about Jesus and then she decided that she would go for Jesus. And so these friends, they were more than persuaded that all this guy needs for a change of story is an encounter with Jesus. If he can get to Jesus, we will no longer have to carry him. If we don't get him to Jesus, we may need to carry him for the rest of our lives because we love him. But we don't want him to be a perpetual burden to us. We want him to be free from this plague, from this oppression of the devil once and for all. So they uncovered the roof. They got a rope tied it to the bed. And while Jesus was busy teaching like I'm trying to imitate him right now, he saw that some guys were off the roof. They have taken the sheet off and they were lowering their friends. Jesus was moved by their faith. Listen to me. For God, in the realm of the spirit, distance is never a barrier. All you need to connect to God anywhere you are in the world is just your faith. You may be at the back, he's there. You don't have to be at the front to encounter Jesus. The only thing you need to connect, to encounter him anywhere you may be is just your faith. You may be in Saudi Arabia right now. You may be in Sudan. Anywhere you are, the same power of God that is available in this place is present where you are. Because in the realm of the spirit, there is no distance. What you need to connect is faith. There were folks who were at the front seat. They came in quite early so they could get a good spot. But Jesus did not respond to these guys. Jesus was moved by men when he saw their faith. And this is why I want you to focus on tonight. So when Jesus saw their faith, look at verse number five. Jesus saw their faith. These guys didn't come to the meeting to look at anybody. They didn't come to be captured by the camera. They came 
to meet with him. And Jesus saw their expectation. He saw their faith. And he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. This man did not come to the meeting for the forgiveness of sin. He's obviously a paralytic. What you would think the man need at that time is healing for his body. Jesus, come on. Tell the man to get up and walk. Come on. That's what will be spectacular. We are going to a club. Say, what? There was that meeting. You know, the man came. He was a party. He couldn't walk. And Jesus just snapped his finger. And Jesus just said, get up and walk. And the man walked. Oh, glory. But Jesus disappointed them. Like he said, don't preempt God. Like he said, son. Your sins are forgiven. So let's start with this lordship of Jesus. When we say Jesus is Lord, what does it connote? I know those of you who have been in the faith for some time, you have in some church flyers, in some calendar, you see after all is written, after all is type and all that, then they put at the bottom, Jesus is Lord. And sometimes they may not even know. They just like, we are Christians. So Jesus is like something that just have to be at the bottom of a flyer. Praise God. And so what does it connote when we say that Jesus is Lord? First and foremost, as believers, in Bible context, we are saying that Jesus is God. That's the first meaning of Jesus is Lord. The religious world don't have a problem when you say you believe in God. The problem of Satan, the headache of Satan is with this person, Jesus. The people in the other side, if you say God, God, they don't have a problem. But the moment you mention Jesus, you get into a serious discussion. And every Christian needs to know this. So when we say Jesus is Lord, first and foremost, it connotes that he has all the quality of the supreme being. Right? That's the first Meaning of Jesus is Lord. And secondly, it means because he is God, all right, it means he has supreme authority over all things. Oh, glory to God. And this will help us understand this test tonight and have an experience of the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. So when a non-Christian say that um, you are serving the same God and the person says he does not believe in Jesus, quickly say to that person, then we are not serving the same God. 
There is no way you can claim we are serving the same God if you don't believe that Jesus is God. Hallelujah. Do you understand? Don't try to be politically correct. There is no way you can say we are serving the same God if you don't believe that Jesus is God. Because we Christians will say Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And so let's see the implication of that in this text tonight. Verse number 6. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And that's true. Right? Nobody can forgive sin except God alone. And so they were right in their reasoning. They said, how can this guy, this is blasphemy. How can you say your sins are forgiven? Because before Jesus entered the human space, nobody had the audacity to look at another human being and say that your sins are forgiven or that God are forgiven you. Not Moses, not Elijah, no other human being. But Jesus stepped into our space and his approach, his operation was entirely different. So who are you? Not even Moses, the one who gave us the law. The one who was with God for 40 days and 40 nights. Not even that Moses who spoke to God face to face had the audacity to say to anyone that your sins are forgiven. Who are you? If the sin of that man is forgiven, then truly he is God. Because only God can forgive sins. Are you with pastor tonight? And so they said, who are you to forgive this man his sin? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thoughts within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiving you, or to say, arise, take your bed, and walk. Wow. You know, there are people today who assume that the forgiveness of sin or salvation is a lesser miracle compared to the raising of the dead or the opening of blind eyes. Other kinds of miracles. But look at Jesus. From my work with him, I've realized that when you go to Jesus with a problem, most of the time, he will give you more than you need. That is his approach. Because oftentimes, we don't even know how to pray. Alright? You don't really know what you need. So while you are busy scratching the surface, Jesus wants to deal with the roots. In critical thinking, there is something that is called root cause analysis. When you see a problem in a society, in an organization, in a life, and you truly want to get rid of that problem for good and for life, you don't treat the symptoms. You go make research and findings. What leads to this? What's the cause of this thing? If we can deal with the cause, then the effect will be gone. Hallelujah. And so Jesus 
is an expert at solving problems. The best. So he looked at the man and said, your sins are forgiven. Let me deal with the bigger issue first. And guess what? The man did not object. The man did not say that, ah, you didn't do much for me. This is not enough. The man didn't say, is this what I came for? Is this why I allow my friends to manhandle me? Is this why I allow them to rough me and, you know, have to embarrass me and lower me like this? The man did not object. Somehow, the man knew that this man has solved my greatest problem. This is what I truly need. He said, your sins are forgiven. And then he went further. He said, I want to show these guys, these scribes, who are doubting my deity, who are questioning my lordship. I want them to know that not only can I forgive the sins of this man, the root cause, I can also deal with the symptom, the consequence, the result of that sin. Let's back down a little. It's important I do this as I'm led by the Holy Spirit. So, why? What qualified Jesus to forgive sin and to be the one today we now refer to as Lord? Not that. Before Jesus Christ came into the world, nobody, there is no any other human being who had dominion authority over sin. No other. No single person who walked through this earth before him who had power over sin. Adam, the first man, was tempted and he failed miserably and got the entire human race into a mess. The paralysis of the man is a consequence of the failing of the first Adam. Hallelujah. The crisis, the one, the sickness, the oppression of the devil is a consequence of the failing of that man. And for him to be our ultimate redeemer, to free us from these consequences, he needs to deal with the roots. And for him to be able to deal with the roots, he must have dominion and be lord over what befalls others. And that is sin. So he came into this world, the first person who led a life without sin. The Father God in heaven testified, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. His forerunner, this historical fact, his forerunner, John the Baptist said in St. John chapter 1 verse 29, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because he's the only one qualified. Before you can take away the sin of the world, then you must have dominion over sin. Before him, before he came, no one had dominion over sin. And after him, no one has dominion over sin except by trusting in him. It's important you settle this sin. Let's look at some few things that nobody can deny. He's been on record for more than 2,000 years now. And these are irrefutable facts. 
cannot be denied. And so you can trust him with your entire life. You can go all out with your life knowing that this is it. He is indeed Lord. Jesus said in St. John, he said, the prince of this world came to me and found nothing in me. The only person that Satan has no hold on. There was nothing Satan could accuse Jesus of. He brought his greatest temptation to Jesus in Luke chapter number 4 and Jesus defeated him. Bible said he left him for a while so he came back many times and still he found nothing on him. Do you know that the man who betrayed him, Judas Iscariot, one of his closures, after he had sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and when he saw Jesus crucified, he became remorseful and he said, I have betrayed an innocent blood. Let me give you the test. You need to write it down. St. John chapter 14 verse 30. Jesus says, Satan has nothing on me. You need to write that down. Judas said, I betrayed an innocent blood. Matthew chapter 27 verse 3 to 4. Let's see that. This is what the Holy Spirit bids me to do tonight. Matthew 27, verse 3 to 4. Quickly. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was what? Remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. The next verse. Saying, I have what? Sinned by doing what? Betraying an innocent blood. The man who betrayed him did not even have anything he could accuse Jesus of pure. Let's hear what Pilate said. A Roman governor, he was not a believer, he's not a Jew. This guy is like, you can call him an atheist. A king. Listen to what he said about this Jesus. Matthew 27 verse 24. Matthew 27 verse 24. He is in his own class. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, he was trying to stop the people from killing him. But rather, a tumult was rising. He took water and did what? And washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this what? Just person. Pilate was not a believer. He was not a Jew. He was a Roman leader. And yet he testified. I've heard so many things about this man. But there is nothing that is unworthy about him. He is a just person. When Jesus was crucified, there were two thieves hung beside him. Bible already predicted that he would make his grave with thieves. But guess what? One said... Oh, if truly you call yourself the son of God, get down from this cross, help yourself and help us. The other one said, hiding criminal, condemned criminal, listen to his own testimony about Jesus. Luke chapter 23 verse 39 to 41. Luke chapter 23 verse 39 to 41. 
Luke 23, 39 through 41. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? As in the hardened criminals, he has conscience. You, you know, they fear God. Don't you fear God? See, you are under the same condemnation. The next verse. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. Now, the criminal acknowledged that the justice or the judgment meted out to him by the government is, is good. I'm a bad guy. I deserve to die. Alright? You and I, the two of us, you know we are criminals. We should die. He said, but this man, this one here that is in our middle, this is a hardy criminal testifying about Jesus. You know, one, one thing criminals do is this. It happens here in Nigeria a lot. Okay? If a criminal is caught and he doesn't want to go down alone, hmm? Maybe at one time or the other in your life, in your compound, you share the same compound with them. You are being disturbing him. And the criminal is arrested and he wants to take you down. He will just tell SAS officer, say, come to our compound. My partner in crime is there. You are innocent, too, but because you have been disturbing the guy, he will say you are the one carrying gun. You are the one hiding their gun. Crime you know nothing about, but because you will not keep your mouth. So the guy drag you and you are sentenced. This hardened criminal. If you want, let him go down. Let's end this thing together. But he said, this man has done nothing wrong. Satan has nothing on him. His betrayer, nothing on him. Pilate, nothing on him. A hardened criminal said nothing. What kind of fellow is this? He must be Lord. Only a Lord can have dominion over sin on earth. Hallelujah. And look at Jesus himself. Luke 23, 34. Luke 23, 34. You know, you and I today, eh? if anybody tries to sit with us, eh? Even if you restrain yourself in your mind, you start to wish them. You understand? You say, may they just feel them somehow. If I ask us to pray now, you know there's the kind of prayer that moves people. If I say, rise to your feet now, you are going to pray. Anybody, any man, any woman that does not want you to progress, for that one die, fire consume. That's when you will know that you have a long the way you get up, oh yeah, what are you waiting for? My grandmama, my stepmother, my Jesus die. Have they ever confronted you? Have they done anything bad to you that you have seen? Did they put a crown of thorn on your head? When you ask for water, did they give you vinegar to drink? Did they take your garments from you? As in, did they flog you? Drag you on the ground, make you carry a pole with which you'll be crucified. All of this was done to Jesus. 
they spat on him. Can you imagine mortal? People that you don't even have to say a word. If he snap his finger, battalions of angels are waiting to do his bidding. If he snap his finger, he had all the power to do whatsoever. You know, Moses was angry at a time with some fellow Moses. Moses. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest man. Some guys got on his nerves. He called them out. He said, come today, you will know. Call them out of the temple. He said, if I be a man of God, let the earth, let nothing that has not been done before be done, let the earth open a mouth and swallow them. They didn't put a crown of thorn on Moses. No, nobody gave Moses vinegar to drink. All they did was challenging his, his authority. You guys are going down. Moses commanded the earth to open a mouth and swallow them. Those guys went straight to hell, alive. But this Jesus, this Jesus, after all they have done, as in human being, one small boy just came, spat on Jesus. oppressing you and you don't have power to retaliate. You may think you are humble. You are not humble. It's because you don't have opportunity. But this one, all the power, everything he had, all the power, one boy passed, spat on him, tore his robe, they gamble on it. Look at what he said. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Pure in all ways, by every standard, his worst critic acknowledged that this man is pure. The only one who walked through the earth and had absolute dominion over sin. The father, the only person that the father was absolutely pleased with. He did the will of the father totally. So when he looked at that man and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. All Jesus Christ did was to exercise his lordship. It is often said you can't give what you don't have. I can't tell you your sins are forgiven if I'm struggling with sin. How can I? How can I give you power over what I am under? Do you get it now? I can't give you power over what I'm under. That is why you need to know in, in this whole wide world, in the entire universe, is the way, the truth, and the life. No one who came before him or after him who had dominion over sin. Call any name, none of them. No, he's not just a man. He's God. No, he's not just a baby. He's
is God. Oh no, he's not just a man, but a lion of Judah, Savior and healer of all. I want you to leave this house tonight with the consciousness of him. That even when you are asleep, you'll be singing his praise. Hallelujah. The first of April of this year, when the pandemic started, I saw him. I saw him. And in that vision, I screamed so loud, my king. I saw him appear in the cloud with angels on chariots clothed with white. And I was leaping to meet with him. I came out of that vision with tears. I was crying. I lay down in worship for my king. Because there is nothing in this world that satisfies the soul and spirit like him. Jesus. He is not a religious figure. He is the Lord. So let's get to this man. Do you know that the only problem on earth that men have not been able to devise a means to even help in any way, to solve in any way, is the same problem. If you have cancer today, I met with a man today, I mentioned a man briefly on my message on Sunday, and the man walked up to me somehow, he just saw me, and then he came, greeted me, and he said, he said, pastor, you know, he has known me for it, the man I said I taught him in school then, he said, I love you. He said, you have, been, you have been consistent for years. I have known you. You are still the same man of God and all that. And he said, I've been through hell. He said, I died and I came back. He's gone through several surgery. He's been battling with cancer. A man, and he showed me another of his breasts. He said, he said this is my breast. is like that of a woman. He said, he told me that there is still a growth here. He has spent more than four million naira treating different cancer. And you know he has seen the miracles, he has seen the power of God. He said two other fellow, two other patients who had the same problem, they died beside him. He said he died and he came back. And I told him, I said, God is not true with you. That's why you are still here. Now, why he was talking, he talks about dialysis. Not, not dialysis, um, chemotherapy. You know, if you have cancer in some developed society, they have different things they can do to help you, Right? Thank God for science. Thank God for medicine. For different diseases. HIV they have. Yeah, there are anti-trovial drugs you can take, right? That can help you stay alive. Even for coronavirus, there are drugs, treatment you take. You beat it, right? You boost your immune system. Mention any sickness. Doctors are good. They are wonderful. They are doing very well in this different regard. But there is a problem. 
that man has not been able to devise any means to solve. And it's the same problem. And this is the root of all our pains. Do you know that sin is the root cause of your relational crisis? Do you know? When you say you have issue with your husband or wife, it is sin problem. It is the sin nature manifesting. He's manifesting a sin nature. You are manifesting a sin nature. I can't cope with his sin nature, so we end it. The problem we say we have with leadership around the world, political leadership, is a sin problem. Is it not? No, talk to me. When you say we have criminals, bad people in the world, you are talking about the sin problem. Why is it that many nations around the world they spend so much, they made huge allocation for security, like in Nigeria. Do you know how much billions of dollars we have spent on Boko Haram? What are we dealing with? The same problem. Some people are just determined to kill. Right? It's the same problem. Is it not? Al-Qaeda, ISIS around the world, is it not the same problem? The greatest problem of the world is the same problem. We are locating billions of dollars. And all we can do with all of that is to maybe restrain it. We, have, we build prisons and walls where we keep these ones, right? That we think are too bad, more bad than us. They are badder than us. Whereas we are all... You know, before men, you may even attain a certain level of righteousness, goodness. But when we stand before the most holy, the one who is pure, every one of us, we are guilty. You know, a woman was caught in the very act of adultery by some guys who had higher moral standard. They caught the woman in the act of adultery and like, aha, this one, she's bad. We are not that bad. So let's go and stone her. Moses, according to the law, says she should be stoned till she die. And then they brought her to the one who is Lord over sin. What do you say? You know, you have been doing good, going about doing good. What do you say? The law of Moses says, whoever is caught in this kind of act should be stoned to die. So Jesus, not because they are before him now. If they were before the priests, the Pharisees, these men would be justified. But now they are all before the most holy, the most pure. Okay, you have caught her in the act and they were about to stone. Jesus said, if there is anyone among you who is without sin. It doesn't have to be adultery. You may not be committing adultery, but you are guilty of other sins. Before him, apart from him, none of us can stand before God. And one by one, they left their stone. Because before him, they were all guilty. Jesus said to the woman, 
Where are those accusers of yours? I am the only one who has the right to condemn you because I'm pure. But I won't do that. Because I've come to set you free. Since I because I have dominion over sin, I'm going to give you dominion over sin. Go and sin no more. There are people listening to me. The hold of addiction is breaking over your life right now. That's one of the miracles you experienced tonight, this particular night. Those of you who have been under addiction, Jesus is giving you victory over it. You, you have been trying over the time that I determine I will not do it again. You can't stop saying through your willpower. You can't. Nobody can stop sinning by willpower. Say, I will not do it again. Don't ever say that. You can say, by the grace of God, God helping me. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. Have you wondered when you just say, I will not do this thing again? The next moment, you are caught doing it. Because by your nature, by that Adamic nature, your natural inclination is towards evil. It's just to do bad. So Jesus gave the woman dominion over sin. Go and sin no more because I'm Lord. The only person who could pronounce the woman free. Jesus did it. And because Jesus knew that this is the root cause of this paralysis. Now listen, I need to clarify this. So you don't, you don't allow the enemy to mess you up with condemnation. The fact is this. Every grief, every pain, every sickness, every oppression is caused directly or indirectly by our sins. Directly or indirectly by our sins. If it is not through your direct sin, indirectly it is the sin of that Adam, of the first man. Do you understand? Now, let's look at this. Oh, Jesus, I love you. If Jesus had healed the man, if why he was lowered, Jesus just healed the man. The man will go through the earth, a healthy person, he will die and still miss it for life. If you get healed and your sin is not forgiven, you are still lost. Right? If your blind eyes is open and your sin is not forgiven, you will still die. If you are healed of cancer and your sin is not forgiven, you will still die of one thing or the other. So your greatest problem is sin. Your greatest need is forgiveness. Your greatest problem is sin. Your greatest need is forgiveness. And the only person in this whole wide world, in the entire universe, who can forgive you your sin is the one who has dominion over sin, Jesus. So Jesus gave that man complete, perfect, and eternal freedom. Your sins are forgiven, sons. And after the forgiveness of his sin, he dealt with 
the consequence, the effect of that sin. Glory be to God. Let's go to first St. John, please. Let me show us just two more scriptures then. We'll worship his majesty and go home. St. John chapter 1. Verse number 16. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for what? For grace. Now here is the amazing thing about this Jesus and he's dealing with our sin. Because he led a perfect life, he had absolute dominion over sin, perfect. By his debts, okay, he acquired right standing for us before God. That's just by having faith, believing and acknowledging him, okay, you are qualified to stand before God without condemnation. What Jesus did for us was that he credited us with his righteousness. Do you understand? Get this. This is how he dealt with our sin problem. You may still be struggling with some things, okay? But this is why this Jesus is just so amazing. He led a perfect life, okay? He made himself an atonement for our sin. And so all we now have to do, remember before him, no one had dominion over sin. And after him, the only way you can have freedom and dominion over sin is through him. Only what? Through him. No other means. So now, through him, once you accept him, his right standing, his righteousness, his holiness is imputed unto you. In your weakness, in your failing, you are before the Father, before the throne, as holy as Jesus. Don't you love this system? It's just a perfect one. Because this is the only thing that can work. If God is to wait until we attain righteousness, or until we attain perfection, all of us will be lost. Nobody will ever make it. Praise God. It's a basic teaching, but you need to be reminded. If God was to wait until there is no fault, there is no any fault, before you and I will be acceptable to God, none of us will make it. Is that not? Sometimes as, as for the years I've been in the faith, for the years I've been reading this Bible, praying and all that, sometimes when I miss the mark, eh, I just say, ah, God, if not for grace. Hallelujah. Your weakness will make you appreciate this marvelous grace of God. You're just like, ah, ah, ah. You know, sometimes you lose your temper, you have done something like, 
Ah. And then God say you are still holy. Say, ah. It's not because it's not because I have practically earned the holiness. Not because practically I have, but because someone who had dominion over sin transferred his right to me. Ah. You say I should not love him. You say I should not submit to him forever. Because apart from him, without him, I cannot stand before God. You see the depth of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing God. Can you not love Jesus? When with all the negative thought, the evil thought, the lustful thought, and all the and then he says, You are as righteous as I am. Huh? Jesus. 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 See the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. You are amazing. Hallelujah. You know, if you are a loving person like me, like in marriage, you know, I am. I'm all over my wife and, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm enchanted by my wife and all that. But you know, eh? Sometimes I look at my wife and say, if this woman sees the depth of my heart all the time, all this, I love you. You don't get what I'm saying. The best of us, eh? The best of us, sometimes, the person that you are in close relationship with sometimes, don't you, Talk to me now. You know, sometimes like you're hugging, sometimes you're like. <laughs> but we're talking about the one who sees everything you are thinking all the time. Oh. my thoughts, all of my actions, he sees and then yet lost me. Ah. Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 3 verse 23. Hope you are not tired. Romans 3. For all all of us have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Apart from him, we have fallen short of the glory of God. And none of us on our own with our work can attain his glory. 
can assess his glory. Have you, have you ever heard of any other, maybe call it religion, that had this kind of good news? Do you know of any? No, do you know of any? Even those who introduced themselves, they have their problem. Can you think of any who compares to him, who led a pure life, a life without fault, a life without sin? Mention anyone. We will rubbish them now and we bring out their credential. None. Only this one. His critic look at him and say, I have nothing, nothing. It's pure, guiltless. What are we talking about? The search ends with Jesus. Ends with him. Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Now, if the death is just the termination of life, I think it could be fair. It'd just be good. But the death is not just termination of life. The most or the worst atheists or philosophers they have come to know there is a consciousness in them and they all acknowledge that life does not end at death. Death is not the termination of life. So the death Bible talk about is not just when you stop breathing. It's separation. Internal separation from God. Internal separation from life. That's what Jesus Christ dealt with in the life of that man. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. In who? In Christ Jesus. Our. Somebody say our. Say our. Say Jesus is. Through Jesus our. So Jesus remitted the sin of that man and gave him power to sin no more. Now here is the last thing you need, you need to know. For you to have experiential and practical dominion over your sin. Let me quickly say this now. As long as you are here on earth, you will not attain moral perfection. But you must continue to strive Alright? According to the working of his power in you. God's vision for you is that you be transformed from glory to glory. That you be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? And until you leave this earth, you don't stop pressing. Because the more you conform to his image, the sweeter your life. Alright? And those who are in contact with you, those who come in relationship with you, they get to enjoy you more. Because when they meet with you, they experience the glory of Jesus. When they see you, it is not you. It is the walking of Christ they see. Do you understand? Your wife enjoyed the fruit of your transformation. Your husband enjoyed the fruit of your transformation. The society enjoyed the fruit of your transformation. For that to happen, you need to personally, consciously, not just make Jesus your savior, but make him your Lord. So now you are no longer of your own. 
You are not going to do what you want to do because you have a Lord. Hallelujah. It is when you have this consciousness and you personally submit to his Lordship, that's when you enjoy his reign over your life. Shall we be upstanding this evening? Don't wait for me to sing if you are a believer around the world. Sing your song of worship to Jesus. The glory of the Lord is in this room tonight. The glory of my King is in this room tonight. The glory of my Lord is being made manifest right now. The grip of sin over your life is being broken. The hold of that addiction is being destroyed. Oh, shataka bata lada bayata hasa. Yalada bata lada barado boko tobo soto boko toto boko. Yalada bala de bereko Satan has been taunting you with words, with lies. I thought I was going to move into this realm tomorrow before, but I think it's urging me now. As Lord, he has the final word over your life. So it doesn't matter what men have said about you. does not matter what the enemy has said about you does not matter the vision you have seen, the prophecies they have told you, does not matter the medical reports, as Lord, he has the final word over your life. And his final word over your life is good. His word over your life is what will prevail. So I want you to close your ears to what you have been told and let his lordship be made manifest over your life. A woman was called a notorious prostitute. She was known to be a prostitute among the Pharisees and everyone. But the woman got wise and said, it doesn't matter what other men say about me. He is lord, he has a final word. The woman went to where Jesus Christ sat 
and she worshipped Jesus. And Jesus said, daughter, daughter, your sins are forgiven. You are who I call you, not what the world calls you. I have the final word over your life. Will you raise your hands? And let's worship this Jesus. We lay our crowns as we worship you. Oh, glorious God. Come on, break loose and worship in this house. Break loose and worship in this house. card a need a divine intervention and the reason why you need that intervention is because of the sin you have committed in the past all right you can say like i said during my teaching every of our grief our pain can be connected directly or indirectly to sin right and so this is connected directly to your own sin. The Lord says to tell you now. now. You have been forgiven long ago, right? You, you are not just a new believer. You have been born again for years. He says to tell you now, because he has a final word over your life, the medical report, that medical statement that you have been told, what doctors have said concerning your status, concerning your, your life, has been reversed now. Amen. Amen. Listen. Now, what doctors have said is impossible because of their diagnosis. Because he is Lord and he has the final word. Look at what he did to that man. He forgave his sins and healed him. Your sins have been forgiven. But now your healing is made manifest. Thank you, Jesus. 
The person who has received the word has a confirmation. A peace you have not experienced before. Just, just envelop your mind right now. It's as if someone, someone cover you with a blanket. It's as if you are covered with a blanket. Your, your soul has just entered a higher dimension of peace.
something happened now uh, now I know Breaking the grip of addiction over your life. Amen. Amen. That's one of the miracles he has shown me of tonight. He has just he has just reproached that medical conclusion over your life. He has lord over that medical condition that medical conclusion over your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We believe God's word you have just listened to will transform you and deliver your inheritance speedily. If you have testimonies via this message, please contact us at Rainbow's Place. Lot 6 Oju Mala Street off Okuno All Street, a Dilu bus stop, a Lodiapapa. Or call 0703977725 or 0807510968. You can also visit our website at www.rainbowng.org. Rainbow Influencing You.